And in the film Touching the Void, um, it shows them climbing up. It shows how difficult it was to climb to the top, going over the snow. But they made it to the top. They did what no one else had done before and no one else had done since. And as they stood at the top, um, the man at the top said, it's fantastic, but he was always worried about standing at the top because most accidents, about 80% of accidents, happened on the way down. And that turned out to be what happened. So as they came down the mountain, they managed to come down about 100 feet along a ridge, and then one of them fell and broke his leg really badly. Basically, the knee joint was completely smashed. You can imagine the pain he was in, but this mountain was hundreds of miles from anywhere. Um, there were no, they didn't have mobile phones. This was the 80s. Um, they didn't have any contact. There's no chance of a helicopter coming to rescue them or anything like that. They were stuck 2,000 feet up a really inhospitable mountain, just the two of them, and one of them a severely broken leg. And the thoughts went through their minds, should they just leave the guy with the broken leg there to die while the other guy went down the mountain? But he decided to press on. Uh, and so they decided to lower him down, a guy called Joe. Um, Simon was the guy who was well, and Joe was the one with the broken leg. And had 300 feet of rope. So Simon would push himself in the snow, get himself sitting, sitting and strong, and they would lower Joe down with his broken leg 300 feet, and they'd stop there, then he'd clamber down 300 feet and repeat the process. And he did that, getting quite a long way down the mountain, until one point they lowered, Simon lowered Joe down this mountain, and they couldn't really see what was going on because of the snow, and he lowered him off a cliff edge. And so Joe was hanging from a cliff edge, um, suspended by Simon. Simon didn't know what was going on, he couldn't see what had happened, um, but he knew that the rope was taut and he couldn't do anything about it. And then gradually he was being, being dragged more and more towards his cliff edge. And in the end he took the really difficult decision and he cut the rope. And so Joe plummeted down into a crevice and Simon assumed that Joe was dead. And Simon went on and went on down the mountain and got to safety. But Joe wasn't dead. He was still severely hurt, he was still severely in pain um, and stuck in a crevice. At that point, he could easily have given up and thought, there's no hope, there's no chance, I'm just going to die and wait to die. But he didn't. He decided to press on. And so he pressed on. He lowered himself further down the crevice until he reached the bottom. Um, then he saw there was a, a gap in, a light to get out of the crevice, and he had to clamber up with his broken leg over this, this gap and get out into the open air. And there he was in the open air with no one to help him, um, still a mile or two to go over quite a treacherous glacier. At that point, a day or two after he'd broken his leg, he might well have given up, but he didn't. He pressed on, and he pulled himself, dragged himself over this glacier with dangers of precipices falling left, right, and center, and finally made it to the edge of the glacier. And he got to the edge of the glacier, and he still had a long way to go. But now there's no snow to drag himself over. Now there's just rugged rocks here. I remember his legs broken and in great pain. So he strapped up his leg, and he hobbled, constantly falling over on the rocks, across the rocks. He decided to press on and keep going. And he pressed on and he pressed on, and after about four days, he finally reached the base camp, not really knowing whether Simon and the other guy that was in the base camp would still be there, but they were. And he made it to safety, and he made it and survived. It's an amazing story, isn't it? It's a true story. Man, one man pressing on and pressing on and pressing on. Why did I tell you that story? Well, probably it's a good story, but also because of what Paul says in verse 12. He says here, um, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. At the start of 2020, sitting what you might think is a cold church, you might feel that the Christian life is tough going. You might feel like giving up. 
You may even be a place we haven't really started and you're not sure it's worth going. What is God calling you to press on with in 2020? What is God calling us as Christians to press on with? Now, there's a sense, isn't there, at the beginning of a new year, um, lots of people are telling you to press on with different things. Usually it's about slimming. You know, you've eaten lots over Christmas and all the slimming groups are out there trying to recruit people saying, come along and join us, lose lots of weight, get healthy. And that's a good thing to do. And that feels like pressing on with your diet or whatever. Or maybe you decide to become a vegan. They're calling it veganuary, aren't they? And to give up meat for a month. Maybe you decide to do that and to press on with that. Or maybe it's about um, pressing on in your job, trying to move up in the career level or get, a, get better pay or pass exams or improve your relationships or, or something like that. Maybe you've got these sort of gut, these New Year's resolutions, things you want to press on with. But what does it mean to press on as a Christian? What is Paul talking about here when he says, I want to press on to take hold of what Christ has taken hold of me for? Well, we need to look at the context of the passage and look back, at the, back to verse 7 and onwards. Um, and to help us understand what it means to press on as a Christian, I've got three things beginning with R, just to help you remember. Uh, and the first one is this. The first one is that we need to... Jonah, can you put it up for me? Just remind me. It says, to reevaluate what is gain. We need to reevaluate what is gain. Look back at chapter, seven, chapter 3, verse 7. It says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And he goes on to say, I consider them rubbish. 2020 is um, a great year, great number, isn't it? Probably in your lifetime, it's the only year where the first two digits will be the same as the last two digits. Is that exciting? Not really. But there you go. <laughs> um, but 2020 is also um, a, a, a number used in vision tests. And if you've got 2020 vision, it means you, you're basically you've got good vision. You don't need glasses. You don't need any help for your vision. And so you've, you've probably seen a lot of people around talking about, talking about 2020 vision. You've seen that because it links in with the idea of being able to see clearly. And Paul... It's basically saying that I've come to reevaluate my life completely. I've suddenly seen things spiritually clearly in a way I've never seen them before. Why has he done that? Because he's understood who Christ was. That's what Paul is saying in verse 7. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. When you come to understand who Jesus Christ truly is, when you come to understand that he's the only person that ever rose again from the dead and defeat death. When you come to understand that he's not like any other human being because he's God come to be with us, that he existed in eternity and yet came to become a human being 2,000 years ago. When you come to understand that his words are God's words to us. When you come to understand that he can offer us eternal life like no one else can. When you come to understand that he's the only way, the truth and the life to God's then that should completely change your outlook on life. It should completely change your vision on life. It should give you a new way of seeing things. And when you see things in a fresh way, in a new way, you will completely reevaluate what is gain in life and what is loss in life. And this is really important because you, you see, if you're talking about pressing on, you're talking about trying to reach goals, trying to achieve goals in life, then you need to really understand what is going to be a gain and what is going to be a loss? Many people in life try to seek to have more and more money. But when you die, you can't take your money with you. Jesus said, what does it gain, what does it gain a man 
to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul. When we see who Jesus is, we realise that anything else we run after is worthless in comparison with Jesus. Worse than that, it can be a distraction that will take us away from following Jesus, from committing to Jesus. Imagine that you're a man um, with a gold bar in in your rucksack. And probably, if that's the case, you'd think, this gold bar is worth more than anything else I've ever got. This is amazing. It's going to make me really rich when I cash it in at the bank. I don't know how you cash in gold bars, but how you might do it. You think, this is something really valuable, really amazing. And you're walking along, um, and you've got this gold bar in your rucksack, and then you fall into a really deep river. And when you're in that deep river, what's the gold bar to you then? It's a heavy weight. It's going to stop you swimming. And suddenly this gold bar is no longer the most valuable thing you've ever possessed. Suddenly it's what's going to kill you. It's what's going to destroy you. And what do you do in that circumstance? You take off what seems so valuable and you let go of it so it sinks to the bottom of the deep river. And Paul is saying that I've come to reevaluate life and see that the things I've held on to in the past as deeply valuable are now, he calls them, rubbish in comparison, because actually they're going to kill me, they're going to set me away from God rather than help me get to God. Actually, the word for rubbish there um, actually means poo or dung or other word, probably another word rhyming with it. Probably the only swear word in the Bible. Paul is saying, look, when you see Jesus for who he really is, you completely have to reevaluate your life. And that will affect what you want to press on towards. But Paul also says you need to refocus on what Christ has achieved for you, what God has achieved for you through Christ. You see, for Paul, what he valued in the past before he became a Christian, before he understood who Jesus really was, was he thought that what mattered in life was to be truly and deeply religious. Um, You can read about what he boasts about his religion in the past in verses 1 to 6 or verses 4 to 6. He was a Jew of Jews. He was perfectly purebred Jew. He's truly one of the Jewish nation. Uh, and he was really zealous to be a Jew. He sought to do exactly what the Old Testament said, exactly what the law said. Um, he lived a, a perfect life in, the, in those terms. And he, he sought to really make sure that everyone else was doing what God, God wanted by persecuting Christians because he thought they'd gone completely wacky and following this weird guy called Jesus. But when he saw that Jesus was God's true son, he realised he got it completely and utterly wrong. Now he realised that true wealth, true gain, is not what you do to get from God. It's what God has done for you through Jesus. In verse um, 8, sorry, verse 9, he reminds us that righteousness with God, a right relationship with God, comes not from our efforts, not from trying to please God, not from trying to impress God, but from what Christ has done for us by dying on the cross. In verse 10, he reminds us that um, although we are weak and feeble in Christ, we have the power of the resurrection, the strength to do what God calls us to do. And so we need to refocus on what God has done through Christ. You see, it may be as a Christian you're thinking, well, um, to press on with um, faith is to, to read my Bible more, to come to church more, to pray more, to do more religious things. But the reason you're doing those things is really important. If you're doing those things because you think by doing those things, 
you'll feel proud about it afterwards. Or by doing those things, you think you'll impress other people in the church or the vicar. Or by doing those things, you think you'll impress God or get yourself right with God or make God like you. If you're doing those religious things for that sake, then actually they become rubbish to you. They're actually taking you away from God because you're relying on yourself and your own actions rather than God himself. But what Paul says he wants to do is to truly know Christ. To truly understand what God has done for him. And if, if to press on for you is to, to truly come into a deeper relationship with God, to truly come to love God because you understand more fully what he's done for you, to truly connect with God in a deeper and more powerful way, and because you want to do that, you read it, want to read your Bible more. Because you want to connect with God more, you want to come to the church more. And because you want to connect with God more, you want to pray more. If that's your motive, then those things are good ways of pressing on towards the better goal of knowing Christ. And trusting more and more in what God has done for you rather than what you're going to do for God. You see, we need to refocus not on what we do, but what God has done through Christ. And when our religious activity is about that refocusing, it's truly life giving. But when it's distorted to be about trying to prove ourselves in some way to ourselves or others or God, it becomes rubbish. Your motive, your direction is really important. And so thirdly, we need to see that we need to reach for the prize. You see, one of the dangers of stressing that it's all about what God's done for us rather than what we do is that you think, well, Christian life then is just sitting around doing nothing and waiting for God to act. But that's not what Paul did. Paul constantly was pressing on trying to do things. And in this passage, which is a very personal passage about his understanding of what, what he's about as a Christian, um, he says, look, I don't sit back, I press on. Christ has taken hold of me to, to give me eternal life, to give me this right relationship with God, but he's also given me a mission, he's given me a calling, he's given me work to do, and I want to press on with that. I want to achieve that, I want to do that. I want to reach for the prize. And so reaching for the prize means not looking back to the past, but looking forward to the future. He says that in verse 12, verse 13. And not looking back to the past means um, forgetting the past way of doing things, forgetting that old way of thinking about things and taking on that new re-evaluation in the light of Christ. Uh, forgetting about the past means um, not being proud about your past religious achievements. Forgetting about the past means um, trusting in what God has done for you, not what you've done. But reaching for the prize, that means seeking to know God better means seeking to serve God better. Seeking to love God more as you understand more about how he's loved you. And so this morning I want to encourage you to think about what does it mean to press on as a Christian for you? What does it mean for you? In the story I said at the beginning that the um, touching the void. I'm Joe who was dragging himself with a broken leg down the mountain. He said he couldn't focus on the big picture. It's too much to think that he's got to get all the way down that glacier, all the way back to base camp. And so what he did was he said, um, in the next 20 minutes or half an hour, I'm going to try and reach that rock, which is a bit further down the mountain. And that's been my goal, just for the next 20 minutes, just for the next 30 minutes. That's my goal. And if I'm not, I'm not doing very well after 10 minutes, I'll berate myself and push myself to go a bit further. 
And so he gave himself small goals to get all the way down the mountain. And for us as Christians, my question to you is, for 2020, for this year, what do you feel God is calling you to, to press on, to move forward? We're not going to become perfect Christians in a year. We're not going to achieve amazing things in a year. But what small step is God calling you to? Um, inside your notice sheets, there's a form. And um, it's got New Year Response Form 2020. And it's got Press On 2020 at the bottom. Um, what I invite you to do, you don't have to do it, but what I want to invite you to do is to put your name and contact details on there. And if you'd like me to, to pray for you through this year, um, I promise to pray once a week. I try to pray for people at church once a week anyway, but it's going to be something more specific to pray about. I want you to pray for your goal for this year. Um, I'm going to simply write it on there, and then after this talk, we're going to have a, a hymn, and there'll be a collection. You can fold up the paper and put it in bags. Um, and I'll seek to pray for you week by week that you'll achieve this goal. And I'll, I'll just email you, or maybe leave a phone message once a month, just to remind you that I'm praying for you for this goal. Won't be any, any more commitment than that, um, but I just want to offer that to you. And if you think, actually, I, quite, I want to achieve this goal, but I'm not quite sure how to go about it. I, I need a bit of support, I need a bit of help. And you want to talk to me about it or talk to someone else about it, then, then just tick the box. And I'll try and arrange, depends on how many of you tick the box, but I'll try and arrange to see you over the next um, few weeks and have a chat about how we can help you with that. So I really want to encourage you to think about what you might, how you might respond, what you feel God is calling you to in 2020 in order to press on. I'll just give you sort of help, help thinking about that. Um, let's go back over the three R's that we just mentioned. First of all, re-evaluate. It may be actually that you, you know you're not really a Christian yet. That's fine. We're really pleased you're coming to church. But maybe in 2020 you want to say, actually, I want to find out, is the claims about Jesus real? You know, I said that when you really understand who Christ is, it completely transforms your outlook on life. Maybe you're thinking there, well, I'm not sure I believe the claims of Christ. Well, maybe for 2020, God's calling you to say, actually, really check this out, really find out if it's true or not. Maybe that's what you want to do in 2020. Or maybe you, you, know, you know you've been looking at it for a while, you've been thinking about things for a while, and you know that you need to make a decision. You're, you're sitting on the fence at the moment. You're not sure whether to really commit yourself to being a Christian or, 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 or to sort of, sort of keep it at arm's length. Maybe you need to want to decide this year actually come to the point of decision about committing to Jesus. Maybe that means looking at maybe doing baptism or confirmation as part of that. Or, or maybe you are a Christian, but you know that you're, you're drifting a bit, you know you've sort of lost your focus on God. Uh, maybe you need to refocus. Maybe you know that you want to reconnect with God in a fresh way, and so you want to commit to reading the Bible more regularly, or praying more regularly, or coming to church more regularly. Generally. Um, my only part I want to read, start reading the Bible every day, or maybe the next one. <laughs> maybe you want to join a growth team. We offer growth teams as an opportunity to meet with others, to encourage one another, and support one another here at St Luke's. Maybe that's something you want to think about this year. Or maybe you know you're connecting well with God, and you think, well, um, actually, I want to, to really take a step up. I want to really serve God in fresh ways and new ways. I want, I want to really sort of think about how I can really do things for God in this life with His support, with His power. Um, maybe you want to sort of take up more responsibilities in Luke's and explore what, what that might look like 
or maybe you want to think about more fully what it means to serve God on your front line, um, the parts of your life where you're meeting with non-Christians on a day-by-day basis, you know, Monday to Saturday rather than just on Sundays. Those aren't options, they're just suggestions, examples of what you might want to put. But we'll pause for a couple of moments now. I can just invite you, um, I encourage you just to write something on the bit of paper anyway. Um, and you, may, you, don't have to, you don't have to hand it in, but you might find writing something helpful. Just one thing, just one thing in a way that you feel God's calling you to press on in 2020. Let's just pause for a moment um, as we do that. <laughs>